Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash A-H-T-T. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. to tell podcast episode 145 if you know the date when this is dropping and you know what time it is it is the three year that's right one two three three year anniversary of this podcast brian and i my man brian we have been doing this for three years unbelievably already uh, 145 episodes and counting um so that's a pretty nice average of content that we're bringing to you every year so you can't be mad about that um you know but it's a lot and this every year we like to not reflect and talk a little bit about you know where the podcast has come how blessed we are to be able to do this yeah um the things we've done along the way uh first of all brian how you doing man how's everything going doing all right uh 145 like you said uh 145 a shelves episode uh uh, a lost episode, a bunch of a bunch of bonus contents, and like you know, a bunch of other stuff. Obviously, in the middle, documentary shorts. You know what I'm saying? Like a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, no, nah, I mean, look, this is it's it's great. Like I, it's hard when you try to explain to people, like, yo, you just don't you don't just do a podcast. Like, no, nah, this actually like means some shit. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people just kind of do one. They have one. and You feel like everybody has one and you look and, you know, people will put out episodes like here's one 18 days after the last one, which is 17 days before the former one, then 14 days. And then like it's all over the place. And we've been consistent. You know, we've been pretty much weekly other than two extended breaks. Um, there are times that we've put a bunch of times where we put out multiple episodes in a week. And obviously we would do that more uh, if we could, you know, obviously we want to be incentivized to do that, which, you know, is something that we're trying to work on obviously collectively, but you know, to see it grow to what it's become, like, I feel like we at the, at, at the absolute most, we've gotten a lot of people's respect just by doing it alone for this long. And then on top of that, it's a fucking great show. Like, it's a great show. Like, I was listening back to some of the clips or whatever. I, lo- I, I like, I like. you got to feel your own work, man. you got to feel yourself. I'm always yeah. about that. So I was looking back because I was making the uh, three-year anniversary vid where uh, instead of going through the first three years, like last year I went through the first two, I just did year three because year three has been a lot in terms of, I mean, year three alone, we put out just about 50 episodes. And in year three, there was obviously split time between the studio and then the pandemic. We actually did more episodes during the pandemic uh, virtually. And looking through those clips, I was like, yo, this shit is good. It's hilarious. Uh, The guests, all of them have been on point, which is obviously important. Um, And look, we're going to keep this going. We're going to keep this going. We Two award nominations for Best Sports Podcast so far. And 
you know, obviously working on trying to get more because a lot of the stuff we do is getting to it's 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 working. You know what I mean? It's yeah. gradually it's just working. That's the main thing. It's working. It's progressing. It's getting better. And a lot of people who were around there where we started in terms of other podcasts are not here now because this shit is hard. Shit is hard to keep up. So I'm definitely proud that we've been able to sustain this. Yeah, I think the biggest thing in anything you do, um, whether it's sports, which we talk about a lot, music, we talk about a lot, obviously hip hop. It, yeah. It's hard to be consistent and great, you know, great for long. I mean, we have the mindset, and I don't think it's cocky. I have the mindset and thinking that every, you know, what I produce, I strive to be great, and I'm gonna be great, and it's going, it's going to be great, and whatever we do next is gonna be great. Mm -hmm. So that is literally the mindset that I personally have. Um, it's the mindset we had when we started this, and to continue it. So, you know, I think you have to continue to have that mindset, but I think we do have a great deal of respect for. Uh, other podcasts and people who create content and do it at a high level because we understand what it takes to be great. And a lot of it is what Brian said with consistency, right? Like you have to really and truly be consistent at it and dedicate. And it takes time. It takes planning. It takes conversations that people don't see between me and Brian off this podcast yeah. about what we're going to do here, who we're going to talk to, you know, all these things. I mean, they're fun conversations. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's, uh, it's, it's stressful or it's work. It is work. But it's fun work, and we enjoy talking to each other anyway. So it's it's like, yeah. all right, whatever. We do it. We get it's to do easy. it. Yeah, we get to do it in the yeah. podcast. So a lot of the stuff, you know, people don't understand. Like we talk stuff. We throw ideas. We'll say this thing is good. What is good? This guest is good. And you know, for people who don't know, for me and Brian, a lot of it is just always like it's just seamless. You know, if Brian has an idea for me, and it's good. We're just kind of, I'm, we're kind of like okay. And if I have an idea, and Brian is like good, and we always are just pushing each other for different ideas and we're just pretty much open to a lot of different ideas and I think that's what makes this podcast work so well so we've always pushed and we tried to have new things and more things you know this year we added one time for your mind and we kind of started doing that late last year um so you know it's, it's just been an evolution I'm, I'm glad for the growth um I think there's more exciting things coming soon yeah. hopefully including some partnerships uh yeah. that I think will be coming soon you know I'm, I'm excited for the growth and I hope the thing is, you know, we, as we said, we have the respect for other people who create great content, but I think one of the things I hope that can inspire other people who might say, hey, I want to do a podcast, or this is something I want to try to do, and I've had some of these conversations with some people recently in some podcasts I've been on, and, you know, I've kind of encouraged them, it's like, hey, you got to be consistent, you know, you got to use the connections you have, you got to figure out your way how to get into stuff, and, and I know Brian and I, we've helped other people in being on their podcasts. Yeah. giving them context to different guests that we may have had on that we know. And, you know, the people helped us out in that way. So that's kind of the thing uh, I think it is. But it's a lot of work uh, yeah. to what people have to say. And, you know, it's just staying uh, abreast, obviously, on sports news, things going on in hip-hop. And uh, it's been fun, man. As You know, you should do what you love to do as long as you can, um, as long as you're enjoying it. Hopefully we learned that from, you know, even the recent passing of Chadwick Bozeman. That's something I took from his Passing is yeah. something you should do um, as long as you can. So, you know, we're going to continue to do it, man. Just just, just keep going on. It's been three years, unbelievably. We started out. Have we talked about this? Have we ever spoke about this, Brian? How we came, we started with, have we told people how we started the uh, podcast with the name and everything? I, we've told other people. I don't know if we said it on this podcast. I can't recall. I don't, I, we've obviously gotten into how we started in a, boardroom in St. Francis College, <laughs> yeah. you know, with our own TriCaster and setup with mics and, you know, Matt Finiza, Luis Velez, Matt Panico all helped us. Uh, yeah, man. Shout out to them. To, we're, not to here them. Without, we're not here without them. 
No, for real. Like, for we're real. not. And and I'm trying to think, but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we got into that. Before. Yeah, I don't know if I ever did. So I'll say, you know, Brian, mm-hmm. got, Brian came to me while working and was like, you know, do you want to do a podcast? And I kind of was like, all right, okay. <laughs> uh, like, cool. This was like, this was pro- so we started in September of that year. That, this was probably like in June. Just yeah. That sounds like, yeah, it sounds like about that. So that also tells me. together that summer. Yeah, we kind of like put it together that summer. And we had no idea. You know, I didn't want it to just be a regular sports podcast. Because let's be honest, people, there's a lot of those out there. And granted, we talk a lot about sports. But, you know, Brian and I also realized we have the shared love of hip-hop. And it kind of works. We were also uh, a little bit over 10 years apart. So there's a, a no, I don't have to call it a generational difference. But it's really good to bring you perspectives from people from different generations. And I'm somebody who's always like, I'm never too old to learn from somebody who's younger. That's always my mindset. I've learned that from some of my mentors. When you have that mindset, it keeps you sharp. And, you know, I also learn from people older than me. So you can always learn from anybody. So I think it brings great perspective to the show. And I thought that was a good idea where Brian kind of was like, yo, why don't we do a sports and hip hop podcast? And I was like, all right, well, that's dope. Like, there's not too many people combining the two. And... We didn't have a name, and I remember I remember this with Brian in my office. We were just like talking about it, like, "Yo, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna call this?" Just couldn't think of it. And since we both, you know, both love Nas, both love Illmatic, I Nas, pulled up, I pulled up Spotify. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Let me pull up some albums that I like and see if we can come up with a name. And the first album I go to is Illmatic, and I'm looking through. I'm like, the "World is yours," and then track ten, it ain't hard to tell. I was like. Wait, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like we both, like we just knew immediately. That's thing, yeah, that's the thing that's important when you come up with names for shit. Names are very hard. I'm going through this right now with a project that I'm working on. Yeah, where like it, it, there's a bunch of names involved or whatever, but they matter so much. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Like they matter so much in terms of whether or not you can make it work. Like it doesn't need to pop right away to everybody. It needs to at least pop to you and you can I agree. make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to make it work. I even think of that when I see like video games, video game characters, whatever. If I hear the name Sam Fisher, it probably doesn't pop to me, but then, you know, the person that had a vision for it evidently was like, yo, we can, tur- we can push this into whatever, whatever. And now obviously he's become one of the best protagonists of all time. So the name for something matters. And then when we both was like, yo, it ain't hard to tell podcasts. I mean, there's the pun, there's the Gnostic, like there's this whole thing going on there where it's like, oh man, this, this, this is it. Like we knew it. We were like, yeah. You just, I, yeah. I just knew it from the jump, like from the name. I was like, yeah, this, this is the one, that's the name we rock. We ran with it. It felt right. It felt, you know, on brand for what we were trying to talk about and just keeping it a hundred for people. So, you know, just keeping it real, keeping it a hundred and, I think it just felt right on brand with it. So that was kind of the origin of that. And three years later, you know, here it is. As Brian said, two nominations for Best Sports Podcast. Uh, hopefully coming home with, with one this year. Uh, more stuff to come. And from a boardroom in St. Francis College to Gotham Podcast Studios, who we're still affiliated with, to uh, doing and stuff. And we hope to be back there. Back there. Once, yeah. Once, you know, and that. And now doing stuff during the pandemic remotely and, and, and making that work. Yeah, and, and still not missing a beat, man. I think that's the thing, not missing a beat, still getting great guests, still having great conversation. That's kind of been the most important thing for me 
is just just doing that. It means a lot to show people that you can do it consistently. But what matters the most, and we say this every year, but what matters the most is the people that support. You can't do it without without the fans. And I, I think we've been able to grow our base and bring in guests that we might not have thought we were going to have three years ago. You know, yeah. this this year yeah, alone. We've had, fan, we've had fans help us get a few people as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. People, yeah, you know? that, yeah, absolutely. And that's why, the, you know, people sometimes people don't know stuff like that. Sometimes it's been personal relationships. Sometimes it's been fans doing that. I mean, we've had three politicians on this year. And I don't think, you know, in the history of the show, we never did any politicians on the show. And we've had three top, and I'm sure there'll be more people on in terms of in terms of like political affiliations and connections to sports or hip hop. But um, that happened this year. Some of that happened. One is a connection to Brian. Another one connected with me and also another fan of the podcast we had. And then another friend, fan of the podcast, connected with us with our last uh, one. Shout out to Jason Klinscales. He connected Word. us with Jamal Bailey on our last episode. So, yeah, you know, pe- fans and people think things are good or on brand and people that we should talk to. So, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's dope, man. But we're going to continue. Three years. We're not stopping. Uh, we're gonna keep going. Uh, keep letting y'all know. Uh, ain't hard to tell. It's the best yeah. sports and hip hop podcast out there. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash ahtt. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Some very interesting NBA news that I think shocked a lot of people, including me this week, and it came around the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, We'll have more to talk about this, hopefully in an upcoming podcast. But the Nets have a coach. (laughs) They have a coach now. Um, And... I don't know if anybody saw this coach coming. Steve Nash, Hall of Famer Steve Nash, that is, two-time MVP Steve Nash, that is, is now the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Jock Vaughn, who was the interim coach after Kenny Atkinson uh, agreed to part ways, fired. Yeah, say, yeah. Um, <laughs> with the Nets. Um, I just feel like that's a nice way to say that you're fired, but okay, yeah, yeah. fine. Uh, agreed to part ways. He is staying on as interim coach and will be the highest paid, excuse me, assistant, associate coach, assistant coach, not interim coach. That tag has been removed. He will be the highest paid assistant coach in the league. There's a lot of talk about this. Is this a good fit? Kevin Durant had a relationship with Steve Nash from him being a consultant in Golden State. How did this happen? This is another point guard coach who's been hired with no experience, no coaching experience, that is. Brian, what do you think of this move? Good, bad. I always think it's too early to judge stuff on coaches, but what do you think of this move? And there's obviously another element to this we're going to get to. But first, I don't really, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because we've seen this work with other first-year head coaches, uh, Steve Kerr being probably the most notable recent example, although it worked with Tyron Lue and it did initially work with Mark Jackson. Et cetera, et cetera. Like this, this has been, and it's also not worked in some other cases that we don't have to get to, involving your New York Knicks, et cetera, et cetera. Or, or, or how about one with the Brooklyn Nets, Jason, Jason Kidd. Kidd? Yeah, and I'll get to why that that man, why that was probably problem, not problematic. I actually think that was less to do with Kidd and more to do with somebody else, but that's a whole other story. 
Go ahead. We'll get to that. we'll get to that too. But I I think yeah. So I woke up to this. Like it was literally, I I I slept in or a little bit. My version of sleeping in, which is basically waking up at nine thirty, and it pisses me off anytime I wake up after nine o'clock because I like being up between like eight eight thirty seven thirty something like that. But sometimes you know I just be up late. Um. Yeah, nine thirty is <laughs> real late. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> No, nah, but so I woke up, I saw this, and I thought I it was again. I just thought I was being punked. I was like, "This is bullshit. This isn't even Woj's account." Then you see the check mark, and you're like, "Wait, what?" So then you just start going through the rabbit hole of whatever. And I think I might have tweeted out my first up before fully getting out of bed. Um, now, probably generally, usually generally not. I, I don't know if this is no. Yeah, nah, get out of bed first. <laughs> like, like Herm Edwards said, don't press send. Um, uh, Steve Nash. Look, I'm. I have reason to believe he can be a great coach given his player credentials, but we know that that's a, that doesn't always translate. Magic right. Johnson being a famous example of that. Um, Steve Nash quietly said, or said that he had been quietly getting these kind of offers, like on the low. Like he's he's had inclinations, he's had like sort of feelers here and there. This just feels like a great situation for obvious reasons. Um, I honestly thought Popovich was going to be a realistic thing, and apparently it was in terms of the talking points and you know the discussions being had. But I think that this is also going to be a very pressurized situation for obvious reasons. Because look, the Nets think they're going to win. The fans think they're going to win. Uh, win in terms of winning a championship. I don't, but we'll see what ultimately happens because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and. You know, they ultimately signed off on this, obviously. Otherwise, this doesn't happen. But Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you know, they to some degree are going to want to run this organization their way if they're the stars. Like for me, it's very simple. The reason why they're in Brooklyn is because the Knicks are run how they're run and the Nets are run how they're run by comparison. They both wanted to play together in a city that made sense, in a cap situation that made sense. Brooklyn, great uh, great playoff run that year when nobody saw it coming. Right place, right time, boom. And all that culture shit, it's out the window. It's all about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving now. So we'll see what happens, but Steve Nash is going to enter with a lot of pressure, pandemic or not. Yeah, I mean, he's got more pressure than another coach. We talked about coming in and Jason Kidd. When he came in, and Jason Kidd had pressure, but it was kind of because they added some veterans in there, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry, and thought that he could kind of stable the ship and would be the force there. Everybody also thought at the time, including me, I'll be the first person to put this out. I believe I said this when reporting for Nets Daily, which was, look, he can be a good sort of mentor leader to Darren Williams. That did not happen. Do I think that is because of Jason Kidd? Based on what I know and things from around the organization at the time? Nah, I think that had a lot more to do with D-Will than that did with Jason Kidd. I, and there's no shade to D-Will. I just don't think he was necessarily happy to be in Brooklyn. It just didn't fit with, I think, where he wanted to work. And that happens. People get places and they're not really happy to work there. You do have to be a professional. But I think that was it was more of that. I don't really think it was necessarily either person to blame. Um, but I think it was a tough position for Jason Kidd to be in. To that point, Brian, it's kind of the point that you make. These things don't always work out. This doesn't always play they the way. They probably more often don't, to be honest with you. Right. There, there's, I mean, look, it's hard to determine who's going to be and who's not going to be a good coach in the NBA. 
I don't think it's as easy as people say all the time. And I think people get caught up into narratives and stuff. It's kind of like the way I've defended the Tom Thibodeau hire with the New York Knicks. It's like Tom Thibodeau has this ridiculous narrative that a lot of it isn't true, that he runs his players into the ground. He's broken down all these players and all this stuff. And it's like, all right, but people can't name anybody ex except for Joakim Noah. And I'm not even sure that's all true with Joakim Noah. And people would say Derrick Rose, but I think his situation was more of a freak situation. It's a freak situation. He tore his ACL. And the way he plays is kind of like you're expecting right. to get hurt. Right. You know, honestly. The like, aggressive athletic. I'm actually surprised at how healthy Russell Westbrook's been throughout his career for that. Despite him tearing his knee up once, right? Like, yeah. And so, it, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, I think it's hard to find, to, to figure all that stuff out. I like you. Do I know if, if Steve Nash is going to be a good coach? No idea. Do I understand why they made the hire? Absolutely. Here's sure. what it comes down to, people. You know what it comes down to? When you have teams, not when you're rebuilding, when you're at the point of what Brian's talking about, where now it's about the expectations are for you to win a championship. This yeah. isn't about, as you said, Brian, about that culture shit. Yeah. You can't ride on that anymore if you're the Nets. That's gone, out the window. Now it's about you got two stars in there, superstar and superstars, two superstars, whatever you want to call it. One superstar and one star. You got That's them it. in there. Now you know what it's about? managing those superstars. And, yeah. in and in 2020, 2021, that is the role of an NBA coach at the very high level who has superstars. Some teams can be based on culture, but there's really only a couple teams you could probably really talk about that right now in the NBA. One might be the Warriors. Two is probably the Miami Heat. How many other teams? Three might be the Spurs. I'll still get put them up in there. How many teams do you say are really riding on culture instead of necessarily stars. And even though the Warriors have stars, it is about a culture that they've set. Because they had a culture before Durant got there, and after Durant got there, they're going to continue that. The Nets had a culture. They brought in stars, and now it became about what these stars want. KD's yeah. got not, By the way, we should also mention, not, not bad. a bad thing. Not, not saying it's bad. Thing. I'm just saying it is what it is. Guys, when you bring guys of those caliber... Kevin Durant, who enters your organization, is arguably the best player in, on earth when he's healthy. Like, yeah, you kind of have to cater to those dudes when you bring them in and pay them super max dollars. Yeah, it, it, the game is the game. It is what it is, right? Like, this is how it has to be played. And how it's going to be played is, if this superstar player says he wants this guy in here because he thinks he's going to be good, and you're Sean Marks, right, or anybody in this front, what you going to do? You're going to get the guy that KD says that he wants. That's what's going to happen. If Just like we don't know that this happened with Atkinson, but if Katie and Kyrie wanted Atkinson up out of there, he got up out of there. That's yeah. how it's going to be. And, and it's because the Nets are realizing, there's no shame to the Nets, the Nets are realizing that the game is the game. They have to get a coach who they think is going to make their superstars happy. Now, the job for Steve Nash is, I think Steve Nash is going to be fine. Because he's got, I think, I don't doubt Steve Nash has a good basketball mind. Yeah. He is probably the point guard that is really, along with D'Antoni, as a coach, pushed us into this era of basketball that we're seeing now. He's a point guard, I think, who really can understand the modern game of basketball. So there are things I think he has gone for him. Will it work? We don't know. But the biggest thing he's going to have to do, B, the biggest thing he's going to have to do to everybody is he is going to have to manage the egos of the superstars along with the rest of the team. And if he's able to do that successfully, he will be fine. Here's the thing. Nash has got a tough job. That's just the reality of it. You said it. Nash has got it. This is not an easy job. He's coming to New York City to a team that has championship aspirations 
And the championship aspirations, whether Brian is they're going to win or not, it's not crazy. The East is not that locked off. The, the Phil- East, yeah. Philly isn't what people thought they were going to be. Milwaukee isn't what people thought they to be. And there's teams like Miami who look better than people thought they could be, or Boston that looks better than what people thought they could be. However you want to look at it. And Toronto may still be a player. So it's no, it's not crazy to think the Nets can't slide up into that conversation. Now, they got to manage talent. They got to manage those egos. They got to decide what they want to do in terms of getting a third star, which we talked about in a previous podcast with Michael Grady, and hopefully we'll talk about um, with an upcoming guest. But these are things that are going to have to happen. So I'm not going to go too crazy. And talking to some people around the Nets and who yeah. cover the Nets, I kind of get the consensus of the same thing from people. A lot of people are saying, hey, look, this caught me off guard. It was out of left field. I didn't see this coming. Everybody I've spoken to is acknowledging that this is about KD, who really wanted Nash here. And as one person told me, we're now in a wait-and-see moment. We just got to yeah. wait and see. They, they weren't quick to jump the gun. They just said, look, I have to wait and see about this, and I think that's pretty fair. So we listened to an album together called King's Disease, right? And I thought about that when all this was going on because we were talking in a group text with a couple of our boys, Gerard and Jamal. We were talking about how with superstars, like they can really they, – they don't always know what's best for them. And this isn't just a basketball thing or an athlete thing, just in general. Superstars at whatever the profession is, or the elite of the elite, don't always know what's best for them. I want these people around me. I want this coach. I want this trainer. Like, we've seen it time and time again. Like, some people get robbed, or it just doesn't work out. They don't win as much. Whatever the case may be, like, you just don't always know what's best for them when you're at that level. But when you're the Nets, and specifically when you're the Nets, and you don't have that built-in culture that's sustainable like Miami or San Antonio or the New England Patriots, for example, or the New York Yankees that you've talked about, when you don't have that built in over years and decades or whatever the case may be, you're at the mercy of these stars. So whatever they say goes, whatever Kevin Durant says goes, he's as valuable to that. He's more valuable to that organization than anybody else. And he's going to call the shots. And Kyrie Irving is second on that list. He is going to sign off on things, too. If they ever disagree, Kyrie's probably going to be gone. That's just how it goes. You know what I mean? Like, if, you're ju- if you have to ever choose. But the reason why they join is because you're going, to be th- you're going to think that they're in lockstep in all of these decisions. Or at least you hope so. That's just to say, these stars don't always know what's best for them. And when you just have that there, like, I don't know. Like, is the Steve Nash thing going to work? Is he going to work out with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? Like, these aren't just two. This isn't Chris Middleton and Giannis. You know what I mean? Like, these are two different personalities. Not better, not worse, just different. That balance is tough. You know, Kyrie Irving obviously has the reputation of being high maintenance or being this or being that. You know, is Steve Nash going to be able to work with that? I would think that he is because he's Steve Nash. But Steve Nash the player, Steve Nash the consultant, Steve Nash the head coach, we don't know if that's all the same. It's very hard to do that. Derek Fisher, by all accounts, awesome, awesome teammate. One of Kobe's uh, favorite teammates of his lifetime, RIP Kobe, obviously. Derek Fisher, a great locker room guy. He gets into the NBA, doesn't work out. And by all accounts, it did not go well in any regard. Now he's in the WNBA, where he even has some questionable coaching moments in the playoffs last year with the Los Angeles Sparks. You just don't know. So we'll see. 
ultimately. And, they, and the Nets have a lot of questions, a lot of questions beyond this. Like, okay, now you got your head coach, and never mind if that's going to work, because I'm probably less worried about that than I'm worried about who's going to be healthy next season. Because Kyrie Irving has a long list of injuries that we've talked about. Uh, the, the percentage of games that he's played is dropping. He's, he's ended you know, multiple seasons now in recent years uh, with injuries. Kevin Durant, needless to say, like the Achilles, he's seven feet tall. Is he ever going to be the same again? It's reasonable, to, it's reasonable to think he may not at his age and his size and the years of experience that he's had in this league that he might never be a top two or three player ever again. Like it's reasonable to expect that, but we just don't know. Karis LeVert, he, I mean, he's always getting hurt. No disrespect, because we really like Karis up here. But he's been hurt for most of his career. Again, not most of, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, what's going to be the situation there? DeAndre Jordan is obviously somebody who's past his prime, and he's going to be making a lot of money, and he's there as a sweetener to entice Kevin Durant in particular, but Kyrie Irving as well, because he was the third man in the three-man package. And as soon as Kenny Atkinson leaves... Jared Allen uh, is not the starter anymore because DeAndre Jordan is the center that uh, those guys want to start. Like, that's just how this thing goes. And then Spencer Dinwiddie has one year left on his deal. Is he going to continue to just be the sixth man for the rest of his career? Like, you have a lot of questions here to address this roster. So I think it's obviously not going to be as easy as, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. They're back. And we got Steve Nash who is the revolutionary point guard to be your head coach. Like, no, it's not going to be hard because Boston ain't going anywhere. You've seen Tatum and Jalen Brown now, you know, and they got Kemba Walker, who's probably the idea. He was the first option. And now, ideally, he would be your second, third option who could be your first option some nights. That three-headed monster, that's the only true big three in the Eastern Conference, if you really boil it down. Miami, we don't even need to talk about their player development because Tyler Hero could be averaging 20 points a game in a year or two if he keeps it up. Not to mention Jimmy Butler, who I think is a top 10 NBA player and has proven that in the playoffs. And Bam Adebayo, who I think is Kevin Garnett without a jumper so far. And he'll probably get that jumper at some point. And, by the way, they're going to have enough money to get another free agent at some point. Giannis is, is somebody that they can get. Drew Holiday is somebody that they can get. Like, all of these moving parts, the NBA is too hard to predict one year ahead of time as it is. So for the Nets, it's going to be tough. But you got to give them credit for taking a shot at least. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, it, it seems that they have the guy that they want. And on a personal level, I love Steve Nash. He's probably my favorite point guard ever. I loved watching him. I thought he deserved the first MVP, and a lot of people don't even think he deserved that. I'm not going that far. He's one of the best point guards I've ever seen. I wish that he got a ring. He's one of the top three point guards I've ever seen in my lifetime, along with Jason Kidd. And Chris Paul. So that's 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 fine and fair. And I, I think you're right. I think they definitely had to take the chance and roll the dice. And I mean, like, look, you got two superstars. You got to keep them happy. I think there's people out there who might not like that. But again, that's what the league is. If you don't like it, don't watch the NBA. I don't know what to tell you about that. That's what the league is. It is a player's league. And it's about the superstars have the power, especially now the superstars are on shorter contracts. This isn't the days of the seven-year contract. So these four-year deals, even the situations where you got Paul George and Kawhi out in L.A., or where they're basically going to now be on like a, a one-and-one. It's a two-plus-one. So has got one-year left. Kawhi's Kawhi's got one year left. Yeah, they hold all the cards. If things ain't going right, they, they move. And so even though with Kevin Durant, you got three years to, to have. And that's not a lot of time. And we, again, health and the same thing with Kyrie. Three years is what you have a three-year window to get this done. 
You can't waste your time. So if superstars aren't happy, you're going to make them happy. Now, the other component to this that has gotten a lot of talk is Steve Nash gets this job. He has no experience. As Brian, as I mentioned, he is not the first point guard, former player, to then get experience coaching without any coaching experience. Um, he takes over for Jock Vaughn. I think it's, no, it's worth talking about Jock Vaughn. And I think the reason why is because Jock Vaughn did a good job. When we had Michael Grady up here, he talked about how good of a job he did. The guys played hard in the bubble. They played hard to finish the season. They were playing good on the, under them. I thought Jock Vaughn had real consideration for this job. Now, he got to be, he got to, he kept on. They kept him on. Cool, but a lot of people look at it and say, a white guy, Steve Nash, got this opportunity, and that's privilege. I've heard a lot of talk about this. I will say this. Optically, I don't think it's a good look for the NBA because at the moment of us recording this podcast, unless something changes, there are currently only five black head coaches in the NBA, right? Another coach of color, uh, two coaches of color, excuse me, if you add James Rego uh, in Charlotte and you add Eric Spolstra in Miami. If I'm missing somebody else that I can't think about right now, I think, I think are, there is, but I can't think of it either right now. I feel, I, feel like like, those, I feel like those are the only coaches, head coaches of color in the league that I can think of right now. Um, so there's not a lot of black head coaches. And there's a lot of black assistant coaches who played paid their dues. Darvin Ham on the Bucks. Uh, Mecca Dopa on on this uh, Sixers. Um, there's a lot of guys waiting in the wings that are looking for opportunities. And the hires, we also see two black coaches recently fired. Alvin Gentry, a lot of people expected it. Nate McMillan, I thought that was ridiculous. That but, was shocking. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And, and, and it's Indiana, and it won't be a good look if Indiana then brings in, you know, Mike D'Antoni or somebody. Right, yeah. So, with all that being said, you had a black guy, Jacques Vaughn, who did well. Yeah, they kept him on, which is good for Steve Nash because he's got a, a system who's got some experience. I think that's worth noting in terms of the hire. But there's been a lot of chatter saying this is just Steve Nash, his white privilege, getting this opportunity and all that. And I want to make something clear. I do, like, again, I think optically it looks bad in terms of race dynamics in the NBA. I want to see more opportunities for black coaches and head coaches of color. I think there needs to be a lot of opportunities. We seem to see a lot of white guys, just like we see in football, continue to get these opportunities over and over again. And we're not seeing new blood and different faces that might look like me and Brian getting those opportunities. And ultimately, ultimately, not to cut you off, but mm -hmm. ultimately, I just want to add this point because it's important. If Mm -hmm. you know this show, if you follow this show, and if you listen to the show, like, you know where we stand on all this stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. you know where we are with all this stuff. So that doesn't even need to be a question either. Yeah. And I think... What I, I made a point because I saw you had tweeted something the other day and I quoted it and I said, and I knew the point you were making. You were saying that, you know, this I is something. I remember. It was like, I can't do the whole, because a lot of people were saying, a lot of people piggybacking off of what Stephen A said on first take, saying that, oh, like all these black assistant coaches and Steve Nash gets the opportunity. And I was like, I can't really do the black dude doesn't get the job thing here because it's like he was picked by Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, or at least Kevin Durant. Like, yeah. He, black dudes picked them. You yeah. know what I mean? I if, feel... anything, if anything, that's good. That shows progression, because look who has the power in that situation. The two black dudes. Well, good good point you mentioned that word. It is about the power. We mentioned it before in what we talked about. The power is with the players in this situation. Yeah. The superstars. The ones who can say, this is the, the coach that we want. They do have the power. Could they have picked a black dude? Fine. But 
I think what you might really want to look at if you unpack that a little bit more deeply is, okay, why did they pick to do Steve Nash? Why did Steve Nash get the opportunities to be a consultant in the front office of Golden State, which led to a relationship with Kevin Durant? I'm not going to say it's because he's white. Obviously, it's because he was a damn great player. Like, that had a lot to do with it. Um, It doesn't mean that his whiteness did not afford him to be in that position and be around different executives in the Bay Area and different things and meet different people and connect with Kevin Garnett. Maybe, 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 maybe it did. And I do think whiteness has allowed certain coaches to get different opportunities in that. But what I think you need to talk about when you talk about this is it's not necessarily white privilege that exists in that. I think what you need to look at is the fact that it is nepotism or cronyism that is going on here. Those are the things that are occurring here, right? It's if you're white, it might allow you to know this person in this place because there's more of a structure of whiteness in front offices throughout the NBA. So it's actually more likely that the white people are going to know other white people who are going to hire white people. But like Brian said, here it actually isn't the white person hiring a white person. It actually is more like now, Sean Marks has a relationship with Steve Nash, too. They also played together for a couple seasons in Phoenix. Sean Marks was at the end of the bench, but they played, so they have that relationship, right? Yeah. Does that probably help? Yeah, I'm sure it helps all the time. Nepotism happens a lot. I'm not saying it's always right, but it happens a lot. Who people know, cronyism, in more of this case, who people know and friends with, and they're going to put their friends on. Happens all the time. That could be what happened with Durant and Nash. Nash was kind of a homie to him as a consultant. He thinks Nash has a good mind for basketball, respect him as a player, wanted to put him on and give him an opportunity and also felt like he'd be comfortable. I think that would have happened. Could this have happened for a black guy? Maybe. Or black with Tyron Lue. Right. With uh, getting David Blatt out of there. Right. LeBron, LeBron did that, and that worked out well. They won yeah. a championship. So... Yeah. And he had to step down for health reasons. Otherwise, yeah. he'd probably still be the coach. I think if more than anything, it shows, like you said, Brian, the power of the superstars on short-term deals in this league, right? Yeah. I'm not going to be the person, like Brian said, you know we stand in this. I'm not the person saying there isn't a problem with lack of opportunities for minorities, even in a prog- much of a progressive league as the NBA is. The NBA still needs to do better. We're still not seeing enough black and Latino coaches get uh, opportunities. We're still waiting to see a woman. We're hoping that's Becky Hammond someday. We're still yeah. waiting to see these things happen. We still are seeing too many retreads. Tom Thibodeau just got his third job. Okay, Mike D'Antoni could possibly let go by the Rockets. There's a lot of rumors about him going to Indiana and coaching. That could happen, and that would be his fourth job. Am I am I mistaken on that? No, sorry, that would be his fifth job. Fifth, I think. Yeah, that'd be Nick, his fifth job. Knicks, Houston. Who's the other one? Lakers. Oh, God, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, you Ooh, forget about boy. that one. Yeah, and uh, Lakers. So, you know. Yeah, that, five, man. I think that's the you thing. You can't have five packs at <laughs> I think that's the thing you got to look at here is maybe the culture of the retreads and the nepotism and the cronyism that exists within the NBA and not necessarily the privilege. And accept that, like, look, man, superstars run this shit. <laughs> this is how it goes. Superstars run this shit, and they're going to bring the people life. they think are cool. That's life, period. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, Insecure is a great show. Issa Rae, when she walks into rooms from this point forward, like, yeah, you have to accommodate her in certain ways that it doesn't matter for, like, the rest of however many people who are content creators as well. You know what I mean? 
you're going to have to kowtow to Issa Rae to say, not uh, in a different way than you would to other people because she's great at what she does and she's valuable. Same thing with Kevin Durant. Didn't think I would compare Issa Rae and Kevin Durant today, but this is where we are in the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Like, this is what it is. This is what it is. Like, Spotify has just got Joe Rogan to a massive contract, and it's a licensing deal. Why? Because Joe Rogan doesn't want to give up his intellectual property. He just wants a licensing deal with Spotify. And because he's Joe Rogan and has probably the biggest podcast of all time, he can do that. Like when you walk into certain rooms and you've proven it already, you can do those things. And Kevin Durant is in a position where he's the elite of the elite, arguably one of the 10 or 15 or 20 best players that we've ever seen in the NBA. Yes, he can walk into rooms and do this in ways that people can't outside of that class that he's in and ways that players didn't do beforehand. Like this is one of the things that's been fought for over the course of time and has been sacrificed for for years. And this is how real progress sort of comes. And by the way, I want to shout out uh, Jay Williams because he did make a great point on his show, on the ESPN radio show, because in regards to Darvin Ham, in regards to Emei Udoka and a bunch of other assistants that he named, I think Jacques Vaughn was even one of them, like the black head coaches, they're coming. Like, there are a lot of guys who paid their dues uh, who have these high-ranking assistant jobs, and we're probably going to see, uh, I don't know if I would say a boom, but there are a lot of available jobs on the horizon coming, and I don't think we're going to go into next season with just five black head coaches is what I'm saying. I think that there, there, there's going to be more openings. Houston is going to be open. Uh, Chicago. There are some other places that, we, you know, we still have to wait and see what's going to happen. Um so over the next couple of years, we, we may see that number get into double figures. And quite frankly, we should. It's fucking basketball. I mean, I, th- I, I think, yeah, it's, it's bothersome that there's an 80% black league and five coaches are black. And I also think my thing is not about the black guys getting the job. It's about can they keep it and are they going to get second chances? You know, Mark Jackson, for whatever reason, we still don't know, is now like the Willie Randolph of basketball in which he hasn't gotten a second chance after he did a pretty damn good job. I don't understand how that is. I wish somebody could explain it to me. Why hasn't Mark Jackson got a second chance? Why is Nate McMillan get fired after two weeks after he got an extension in Indiana, after he did a really great job of getting his team to the fourth seed in the East? Granted, they were swept by the Heat, and he did not have one of his All-Stars. His former All-Star was injured all entire year, and he still got them to the fourth best record in the East, and he gets let go. Meanwhile, and I'm not saying I'm the coach I'm going to bring up here. I'm not saying this coach should be be let go. But if you took a coach like uh, Terry Stotts in Portland, went to a conference final. Some people may say they've underachieved with the Blazers. The Blazers had a lot of injuries this year. He got them into the playoffs. They lose 4-1 to one to the Lakers. I know what you're saying. People can say, yeah. well, Terry Stotts hasn't really taken them over the top. And I think Terry Stotts is a good coach. And I don't think Terry Stotts should be fired. But I and I don't think Terry Stotts will be fired. What I'm saying is it that does Tyrell see, Stotts will be fired. Yeah, if it was Tyrell Stotts, I don't know I don't think he gets the leash that Terry Stotts gets. And Probably. I think there's something to look about that. And I think what you have to think about and things, and I believe uh Howard Bryant wrote this in his book Full Dissidence, which he was talking about pretty much the concept of the benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. The white owners and mostly white GMs see a guy that looks like them and they allow that guy a little bit more rope, a little bit more time because he's one of us. And that's kind of what I'm talking about in terms of things of nepotism. And this is why you have to look at things like that and not necessarily, I don't think it's white privilege, but I think that's more of the issue of what's going on in the league. And they, and people also 
like we're going through this now as a country. Like people fear that, all right, if we let a lot of people in who don't look like us, them being white people, if white people feel like we, if we let a lot of people in that don't look like us, we're going to give away the power, so to speak. And it's like, I mean, yeah, you are. You know what I mean? At the but end of the day, like this, this is the point. Right. But at the same time, like this is how uh, ownership in a lot of companies, period, this is how they run. If we put too many of not our kind in positions of power, then it's going to go this way. And it's like, no, we want we want to keep it to what it is. And, you know, that there's a whole other like element of this that we can go on, uh, go on about in that regard that we really don't need to and don't really have the time for that we've probably done on other episodes as it is anyway. So we yeah, we, we, we talked episodes. about this. Look, the bottom... But the, but the point is well made. The point is well made. The bottom line is, look, the game is a game. It is what it is right now. And if you don't like it, then you're just not going to understand it. But the game simply is the game. All right, that's it for this episode 145 of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Three-year anniversary episode my man Brian Fonseca and I have been rocking for three years. I'm not annoyed of him yet, despite all his intent to be violent. Not violent that's with impressive. me, everybody no. else. That, that's important. That's important. <laughs> you got to like who you're working with, right? Yeah. You, you talked about earlier. Yeah. You got to like who you're working with. No, but it's also important because there are some people in my life that I'm close to that kind of find me annoying. And it's like, yo, but here's the thing. Like, people that work with me, we're good. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It depends on the setting in which you know me, I guess. I don't know. But I guess. Like, I don't be pissing people off as much as people think. Like, I'm actually pleasant to work with in most cases. I have no problems. I have no, no problems. Ex- ex- except for when, you know, certain companies owe me money. Like, well, that's, well, well, well just, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, but, sometimes, yeah, look, you better have people's money. I was going to put another word before that, but we ain't going to go there. <laughs> you better have people's money. That's all I got to say. Because, as you said before, the game is the game. Yeah. All right, that's it for episode one forty five. <laughs> episode one forty five. Uh, how many people said this in the wire? Uh, Marlo, you know what I'm saying? Avon. A lot of people. Avon. A lot of people <laughs> said it. In the, said it in the wire, man. The game is a game. Like, did you see? Did you see? By the way, speaking of that, real quick before we wrap, I tweeted out my favorite uh, wire scene today because I just thought of it randomly. I missed I it. I'll look at it because I didn't see what the scene was. I missed it. Wallace. Uh, Wallace is the parent. Take like oh, he wakes up oh, in the morning. My favorite, my, my favorite open in the wire. My favorite. I think it's open. my favorite scene on the whole show. Yeah, it's my favorite open in, in the show. So it's good. All right, that's it for episode one forty five of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Thanks for rocking with us for three years. We appreciate you very much. Continue to support us in every way that you can. Check out that Patreon page. Can you subscribe to us on all platforms? Leave a rating. Leave a review. Do your thing. Until next time, for Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter Henry. Yep. Peace, y'all.